and I just got it in this week, so I plugged it in, and uh, it's the the new Mac M1 chip, I guess. Oh, and, dude, yeah, you're gonna like that a lot. Yeah, I'm excited, but for I guess for whatever reason, some of I have to download something to make my apps compatible for the, some of the M1 chips, and it was just giving me a hard time. It's probably it's probably gonna be a while before they adjust to that kind of stuff, but um, right. That thing's the real deal, though. Like I'm a, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a tech guy. Uh, I have a 16 inch 19 uh, MacBook Pro, right? And uh, I love it. It's touch bar and everything, big, bigger screen and everything. But um, the uh, as soon as I bought this, I think like three months later they came out with the M1, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? It's outperforming like all the i9s. It's outperforming the i7. It's like, yeah, yeah. You gotta be kidding me. So yeah, I was holding out for it. I, I've had this one. This one's from like. 2012 and it's it's on its last leg got you got you through college it did yeah and actually this is my girl my my original one kind of kind of couldn't take the online uh transfer during the pandemic so this is my girlfriend's from college as well we got ours at the same time so this one's hanging on a little bit stronger yeah man i had to i had to upgrade because i had a 2012 um 13 inch Mac. It was like that brick, you know, that silver oh, yeah, yeah. brick, you know, and it had the light up logo and everything and everything. And I was like, uh, it got me all the way through grad school and I don't know how it did. It actually barely didn't. So right. it, there was a couple moments in there where I had like papers or, uh, grades or whatever I was doing for GA stuff that I was like, this may not make it. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Somehow it did. I don't know. I'm thankful for it, but it was like, it got scary there for a sec. Um, yeah. How was, uh, how's it been going up there? I mean, I mean, obviously you guys are used to the winter, but uh, we are yeah. not. So. Yeah, this has been actually for Rochester, not a bad winter. Um, pretty, pretty low key snow wise, but uh, I'm glad to hear you're doing better down there and been watching the news. And that was uh, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy Dude, watching what was unfolding. Unreal. It was, um, I did not expect any, it just kind of came out of left field, you know. It was yeah. like, we were like, one day we're fine, because the weather here shifts so much. Like today, yesterday was 76. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then last week we had three days of freezing temps and all that kind of So like it went from one day of being, ah, it's kind of chilly to ultra, ultra mega <laughs> freeze like mr freeze came in and was just like you know but um it was uh it was very uncomfortable <laughs> i don't know yeah, I, said, okay. I think i said i think i texted you i was like i don't know how you northerners do it but <laughs> yeah. uh, but y'all are also y'all are also a little bit uh y'all are bred for this because we are not uh we're used to like extreme heat right you now not extreme cold not uh, are side. you from new york i am yeah from nice. new york upstate here. or I actually grew up in the uh, New York City area, tri-state area, where Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York all Oh, meet. cool. I've never been. Oh, it's great. I love it down there. Now I've been in Rochester for, I think, seven, eight years now. Do people usually, like if they grew up in that area that you're from, do they try to stay or do they usually try to get out? Uh, It's kind of a mixed bag, I guess, 50-50. A lot of people love being so close to New York City is great. It, uh, just you could r- drive across the bridge spend the day there Mm -hmm. uh so i guess it's 50 50 a lot of people move away from family a lot of people stay yeah i talked to i talked to madden class who's a a drum set player from long island Mm -hmm. and um she was on a pod about a month and a half ago and she was 
you know, her situation, I guess, is a little, a little different, but she went, you know, she went to Berkeley for a couple mm-hmm. of years, but pandemic kind of messed that up for her. And she went, she's back in Long, Long Island. Now she's able to, you know, work that New York scene and everything like that, which right. is in itself, especially in the drum set world, it seems like it's pretty, pretty tough to get into. But what's it like for that, for kind of like our, our lane, that kind of classical perk stuff, like maybe some orchestral stuff. I know probably Christopher Lamb's got the, got the monopoly, but. Um, it's a competitive area. Yeah, I can only imagine with Juilliard um, and everything, right? Yeah, and I don't have much, I, I, studying percussion growing up, I would drive into, uh, Harlem and take lessons for a while with an awesome percussionist, Sean Rittenauer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say if, if anyone's intending on making a career in New York City, from from what I've experienced, it's good to be in the scene ahead of time, get to know people. And it, like a cliche saying, it's all about who you know, but kind of is you got to know the right people to get you in the right doors first, and then you could pioneer your way through there. <clears throat> Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, we're uh, we're in such like a like a niche uh, realm anyway. I mean, not that I'm, not that I'm exclusively classical or orchestral or whatever, but um, I do know, like, I mean, I assume, you know, Cameron Leach, I think, actually think mm-hmm. that's how I uh, came across you is that, you know, he, you know, he's trying to do the, the, you know, classical route, the route of, you know, being a soloist and, you know, being a, a guy for hire and it's tough. I mean, we talked about it uh, the other day and um, like it, I told him, I said, if there's one guy who could do it, it's you from, what, right. you know, from um, what I've talked, you know, talked to him about. And like, we actually have kept up a little bit after our podcast. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's strange because I'm down here in Houston right now. I used to live in Las Vegas, but um, I'm down here in Houston and I, it's so strange how like people are handling this in a sense of like from state to state. Uh, I'm talking about like everything that's gone on and not just the pandemic. And so it's, I've actually played more here in the past year than I did in the six months prior in Las Vegas. It's very strange, right? Yeah. Um, And, but on top of that, it's like, it's kind of a sense of, I feel kind of bad doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because like people elsewhere, all my Vegas friends haven't worked in months and stuff like that. It's very, it's very strange. But I, do you feel like, your your upbringing was uh like do you play drum set or anything like that do you play are you are you pretty versatile on everything yeah i i started as a drum set player played a lot of drum set uh and for a long time thought i was gonna just go off and play kit in the city but uh upon entering school i went the classical route never had experience with it in high school and fell in love with it and kind of went that way but now i just try to be as uh just well-rounded so if someone my my Peter Zach, who was uh, my undergrad teacher, he told me when I first started studying with him, you never want to have a moment where someone offers you a gig and you you have to say, oh, yeah, I, I can't do that. So I tried to stay well-rounded, and that's something I try to encourage my students to do as well. Drum set, marimba, timpani, snare drum, you know, your auxiliary and, and all that. Dean calls him Jimmy P. Yeah. <laughs> Dean, uh, I met him once. I actually met him at PASIC in 2019. Okay. 
So, um, yeah, he's been at he's been at what what school is that again? That's the Crane School of Music, uh, SUNY Potsdam. In yeah, New York. he's been there for a long time, right? Yeah, I want to say we celebrated his fiftieth at the school maybe three four years ago. That's crazy. We just celebrated Dean's thirtieth two years ago. So yeah, they're 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 long tenured guys, but I don't think I, there's probably like one other person that's at fifty. And I think yeah. it's uh, at Boise State. Uh, Baldwin, okay. maybe? Um, man, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's a, a big long... number. <laughs> Jeez, man. Where is where is that at in the state? Um, I guess the best way to explain it, it's like as close to Canada as you can get. It's maybe a 30-minute ride to Canada. Uh, it's by a – man, what, what would I – it's kind of in the – I don't want to say in the middle of nowhere, but it kind of is. Um, well, it's maybe an hour and a half, two hours to Montreal, hour to Ottawa. Jeez, I've never even, like I said, I've never even been to the Northeast, but that's. that's it's a great cool. place to go to music school because it's cold and there's not really a lot in the area, so you you kind of just practice, you know. <laughs> oh, I mean, practice. <laughs> that was kind of the situation in my undergrad because we were in this small Louisiana town. Um, Granted, it was only two hours from here and two hours from Baton Rouge, three hours from New Orleans, but uh, we kind of buried ourselves in the practice room. So it was one of those. I'm sure you can relate. But yeah. um, So how'd you meet? How'd you meet Cam? Was it at Eastman or was it? Yeah, um, Cameron and I met at Eastman. Uh, I was my second year in my master's degree. Cameron was entering Eastman first year master. So we were one year apart and we got to know each other there. We we got along pretty well. We ended up playing a lot of duos together after graduating. Nice. Uh, we haven't played much now because of the pandemic, but we got together maybe once or twice a year. We did a, a radio show, a couple shows at uh, SUNY Potsdam, Eastman. We did a sh- show, but uh, we're looking forward to the next time we can finally play together again. Yeah, man. He's um, he's drinking whiskey, so I don't know if he's going to be able yeah. to do it. <laughs> That's right. I saw his uh, drums and dram. Yeah, dude, he's killing it though. He's he's getting yeah. he's building a little following. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's the kind of guy, you know. It, it a lot of people can learn from where he sets his mind to something and he's gonna say, "All right, I'm gonna do it." I've noticed that about him. I really yeah. like that's. Uh, we had a Zoom a week or so ago about some ideas uh, that we were having, and uh, <laughs> it uh, he truly is like like one of those just he sees it and he gets it kind of guy i've only talked to him a couple you know a few times right and so but it's those are the kind of people you are kind of you kind of gravitate towards yeah and and i'm sure he had that effect at eastman yeah you always want to just surround yourself with people that are gonna encourage you to to work just as hard as they are and and he was a, a you know fortunate to have that one year with him at eastman and glad we stayed connected and played together afterwards yeah man how was the uh, eastman experience for you when when did you finish up i graduated oh man when it's 2017 so i entered 2015 uh it was great i loved it and i, I teach now at the eastman community music school which is part of eastman so kind of never left <laughs> never left yeah Rock, rochester's cool like, yeah i it, like it's a it's a really great city there's a a lot going on with the arts. It's very appreciative community uh, with Eastman in town. And it's compared to New York City, a lot more low key. There's not really any traffic. 
um, my girlfriend moved here. She's teaching at a high school, middle school, high school. She's doing band there. And we love it. It's a beautiful area. The Finger Lakes are close. Upstate New York, really just a lot of beautiful sites. So we're happy to be staying here for the long term. Nice, man. That's awesome. I, I was, uh, uh, I was looking at a, um, I think it was, who, who's that Eastman again? It's Michael Burt, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I was watching a white, his white pines video. Mm-hmm. Are you in that? Yeah, I am. I, I'm on the right. I figured you were in that. I, I yeah. saw it and I was like, uh, then I saw your profile. I was like, seems like he might be in that. So yeah, yeah. great video. Great piece. I played it at uh, UNLV. It was yeah, awesome. it, it is. Uh, I've played that piece now so many times with, with uh, Professor Burrett. Uh, and I had a, I have an interesting history with that piece. I got to do, uh, when I was at Potsdam, he came up to do a class and he was doing a preview performance. He had just finished the piece. Like this piece is for Nexus. We're going to play it, but let's play it, see how it works. And I ended up doing that preview performance, and then I came to Eastman. My first year, I played it with him on his recital, and then we we did the recording. We went all over the place with it. So I I think I played every part now and can play it in my sleep. <laughs> I had uh, one of the vibraphone parts. I had the one with the djembe. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm playing in the in the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why I think that's why I noticed it is because I was uh, I was playing that part and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. nice. You gotta love high quality percussion videos, though. Yeah, like yeah, the, that. Whoever shot that, that was, that was cool. Yeah, that was four ten media. Those guys were super professional. Made it really easy. Man, dude, that, and honestly, uh, your your stuff is really clean looking too. Like all your, you know, you got seems like you got like high quality camera gear, all that kind of stuff too. Oh, thanks, thanks, Josh. Yeah, actually, I use two. Uh, new the new iPhones their 4k definition and it like I I bought some cameras I bought some different things to experiment with and I found that the the new iPhone 4k is just really super clean yeah I have the iPhone 12 so maybe I can yeah that'll do it if you go into the video settings um I use the 4k 24 frames per second I found that works best for for me duly noted because I was over here trying to Buy four thousand dollar cameras, you know. What I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I don't yeah, have the, to. Yeah, the iPhone's great. That's what I I've used for almost everything. Dude, that is a very helpful tip <laughs> because yeah. uh, oh, I see it. Four K at twenty four. Yeah, and one thing I learned at a friend of mine who's a who's got a degree in sound. He told me you have to do the twenty four frames per second because sometimes when you do longer videos, if you do it at thirty or something larger, the audio and when you're recording separate, it will get unsynced at the end. So, oh, okay, that makes sense. I wonder, what do you record your audio in? Do you record it in 48 or? Um, I I have it all through a. a I I'm not a. I can't talk tech for the 100. I have a, a really great soundboard that I bought, and I have a couple nice studio microphones that I run right into Logic, uh-huh. and uh, it's always worked for me so far. So yeah, yeah. Keep keep doing what you're doing. I'm just yeah. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just uh, being a nerd, so yeah. it's, uh, it's all good. The uh, I just looked up where Potsdam was. That is very close to Canada. Jeez. Oh yeah. Yeah. What river is that? Hold on. I, mean, um, I, I should look at a map too. Lake Ontario. Mm-hmm. Man, 
I bet it's gorgeous up there in the summer. Yeah, the summers are very beautiful. In the winters, uh, I'm I'm okay. You, you guys <laughs> keep yeah. that. Winters are cold. Jeez, Vermont, New. Okay, wow, that's crazy. That's pretty far from New York City, though. It is. It's a probably eight, uh, eight nine hour drive. Did you? How'd you get up there? Did you fly or did you? We would drive. Me and my brother. We went to school together. Um, oh, we're twins, so we percussionists uh, as well. He was clarinet. Clarinet. Yeah, okay. so we would drive up, uh, split it into like two, three-hour chunks. For us, it was about six and a half, seven hours. Mm. Uh, we were a little, about an hour above New York City. And y'all didn't say a word. Y'all just communicated through your mind. Because exactly. You're, yeah. You're That's why <laughs> just eye contact, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, twins are wild, dude. I, <laughs> You guys... You guys got like your whole your own little world happening, and we're all of us outsiders are like, what are they talking about? You know? Yeah, it's great. It's like uh, being born into the world already with a, a best friend. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. My brother's five years younger than me, so there's a little bit of age gap, but um, we uh, we connect via music as well. He's a he got the singing gene, and I got the rhythm yeah. gene. So yeah, um, but almost the, a band. Yeah, exactly. We're recording an album right now, actually. But, nice. Um, yeah, man, that's one thing about being, I don't know if you experienced this after your master's degree, but uh, after mine, in you know, middle of a pandemic or whatever, um, there was uh, a lot of time to do stuff that I wanted to do while I was in school where I wasn't yeah. playing six, seven hours a day. Granted, it was fun playing six, seven hours a day. I don't know how much time you had to at Eastman, but, you know, with my GA and everything, um, I I would often use playing as like the escape from the GA stuff. So sure. it kind of it kind of was like a double edged sword. But um, yeah. But now I got time to like work on audio stuff and all that kind of stuff. What what was that? What was that like for you? For one thing, it seems like on the outside looking in to the rest of us that Eastman would be a little intense. But then again, nobody really knows unless you're there. So mm-hmm. what was that experience like? Yeah, it's it's it was intense, a good a good intense though, you know, you you grow a lot. It's a lot of music. Um I think after I graduated, I I took about a just a month off from playing just to give my brain a break and um and I guess it can be just like any program really. It doesn't necessarily have to be Eastman, but your experience whether it's undergrad or, or graduate, can be as intense as anyone wants to make it anywhere. Because you can, you can always get involved with X amount of ensembles, a new music ensemble, jazz ensemble. Um, and I, at least my first year at Eastman, I si- pretty much signed up for anything I could get get playing in. And the second year, I had to take a step back and say, okay, that was that was great, but I need a little bit time to to focus and <laughs> get through the degree as well. Are you thinking about DMA? Uh, I don't know. Right now, just what I'm doing, it, it, I'm working full-time at the university, teaching, and I'm playing, uh, I guess we could call it part-time in the in the Rochester Phil. So I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. Eventually, I think if I start some coursework, could could be a, could be a direction, but I haven't thought about it right now. Everything's kind of unfolding the way I wanted to, and if it happens. Yeah. I just wish there wasn't so many people doing it and then so few jobs you know yeah it's tough it's uh it's interesting how 
like for instance down here in texas if you wanted to teach right and if you had a dma this is what from what i've heard um usually they don't really go for it because a you'll probably cost too much money because teachers already paid pretty well down here anyway right and you know they'll feel as if you know it, you might be overqualified but in reality some programs down here are so crazy that you know that you could really operate them like a like a college studio uh, i think there was um i don't know if you follow the saving page or not but uh, mm -hmm. joe hobbs was rehearsing his uh school vandergrift and like they're they're killing they were playing a percussion ensemble they were doing a percussion ensemble rehearsal and it was like unreal oh cool and I it's like check that out. yeah it it's cool um it's a, I think it was a live stream on their Facebook page, but, uh, the, um, it's kind of, it's just strange. Like the markets, obviously like now adjuncts are DMA preferred and yeah. it's like, man, adjuncts, you know, like it's, it's crazy. Uh, and, I, and at a certain point I was like, man, to do what I want to do, I'm, or at least what I thought I wanted to do, I'm probably going to have to go do this, which is. Not the worst thing in the world, I guess, but you know that's a lot of that's a lot of school, you know. It is a lot of school. Yeah. When I could, I mean, I'd I'd rather like I know I'd I'd want to do it in performance because I I'd want to play, 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 play. But you know, it's like all the it's like all the other stuff, the research and all that kind of stuff. You got to really know what you want to do before you go in, which is kind of what I'm waiting for, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the doctorate. It is becoming, you know, a, a prerequisite for a lot of positions. And what I decided to do my, for myself, if if I had gone right into my doctorate after, well, I'm not even going for a doctorate right now, but if I had graduated with my master's and gone into a doctorate, that would have been a little bit too much for me, uh, just school-wise. I needed a break. And, Same. And fortunately, I found a, a career that I really enjoy that it, it obviously didn't, didn't get in the way. But... Um, That's a that's a tough one. I know it's just, it could be a a, a topic for debate between. It, a it lot really of is though, right? It's yeah. strange that it has to be, but yeah. it is. <laughs> Everyone, because, I don't know why though. You know what? It, I guess what it comes down to is I've had experience. Uh, my two professors in school didn't have doctorates, but I, it could be a prerequisite. Ultimately, I don't think it defines whether or not someone is a. a a great teacher, a great performer, so to say, but I've, I've encountered professionals with a doctorate, without a doctorate that I respect entirely. And it's all about the, the person in their, their experience or their ability to teach. Um, and it's just something now I think a lot of people have to have to go to school for to, to pursue whatever career they're looking to do. And for, for music, if you want to teach at a collegiate level, you, you have to have that doctorate now. So mm. it's part of, part of, getting that position it's a man. it's a tough one man I, I i don't have any intention on on teaching uh at a college level right now but I, if i do ever say okay maybe that's what i want to do i i'll have to go and get get the doctorate i think it used to be the case for me um because it, it sounded appealing to just always teach college level people mm -hmm. and then you go into a ga position where you are teaching college level people and you're like this is arguably not any different than high school <laughs> so um 
I've fortunately found a, a, a position at a private school down here that I'm really enjoying. So it's kind of the same situation where um, kind of lucked out. Um, and, you know, I mean, playing playing to me has always been the priority. Uh, but then that bleeds into being a better educator, which if you find a passion in the education side of things, which not a lot of people or not everybody has, but applying the same work ethic to your teaching then makes the teaching just as important as, you know, the playing. Uh, right. I don't know how, how much drumline or anything you did up there, but uh, I did a lot. And, but that's honestly where I got my teaching chops from was, yeah. you know, taking that first tech job at 19. And then I'm like, well, I'll figure this out. These kids think I'm way older than them than I actually am. But <laughs> yeah. in fact, my oldest student is six months younger than I am. So right. it was a strange dynamic. Yeah, that's, I've never had any experience with drumline. Uh, I admired a lot. There's a lot of, it's a great, so essentially I teach grades five through 12 for a majority of my, my teaching. So and when I look at how things are in, in New York, the surrounding area, marching band isn't really a big thing. Some school programs do have a marching band, but there's no drum line. There's no, you know, playing however three hours a day or whatever mm. might just how I envision it, I guess. But if you compare maybe a high schooler in New York who's been playing percussion since fifth grade without the drumline experience to someone down by you who's been playing drumline is a great educational tool to build chops and confidence behind the instrument and uh i always think like how can i give someone that experience that doesn't have a drumline up here how do i make them play as much and i think it's really beneficial for just development of hands and, and yeah technique. i think it is too i think it could be used incorrectly um which is a also a topic for debate especially in the south because we have the weather to do it i mean right i think my so the band director that I work for um, grew up in Pennsylvania, and they were done with stuff in, like, early November because it was just too cold. Right. And for us here, if your football team goes far enough, you can be playing well into the halfway point of December or halfway point of January. Right. Um, I had a friend that was on Alabama's drumline for his entire college experience, so he was doing – he was – by he was doing band all the way through because they yeah. made it national championship every every single year he was there so um yeah it, it is it is a good tool um on both ends right if you take it seriously and you want to become a good educator and not just you know a, a marching jock or whatever what and just try to keep playing as you're teaching uh it really is a good tool to like work on your teaching shots but also um, there's so much information out there now that I feel like you could take the same, um, tools and apply them to like, like a situation like you're in, right? There's, an, there's books written on chops. There's common, uh, common knowledge exercises and warmups that could be applied to just having a good old pad session every day. And, right. And efficient practice is something I really learned in my master's degree and, and a little bit before I got there too. So like, I just like the fact that I'm teaching efficient practice and, and getting virtually the same results as I would if I had like this big, like Texas 6A 40 person percussion ensemble kind of thing. It's, uh, right. 
it's uh, relieving because you kind of worry about that, right? You kind of worry about like, am I doing enough to keep, you know, get the hands going to develop them the right way. Um, but thankfully there's been enough, I think being shared in at least the past three or four years. I mean, both you and I are diving into it too, this world of content creation of, you know, writing books. Hey, look at that soundscape. Uh, but it's, uh, one of those things too, of like, there's so much information out there. The kids could even look it up themselves. It's yeah. like, or I'm still learning stuff too. You know, it's like yeah. constantly, uh, there's stuff on my Instagram feed every day. It keeps me on Instagram way too long, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a neat tool and it's something that I think as young percussionists or just people beginning our careers, it's good to know what's going on out there and see what other people are doing. And, I've learned a lot from it, and I think, and I tell this to my students too. Even when they're looking on on YouTube, there's a there's a lot of content out there. Some of it not so good, some of it, it really great. Mm-hmm. And if you can distinguish between the two, and and you can learn from both, and say, what didn't I like about that? Oh, all right. But hey, their their audio quality is great. I can learn from that, or something like that. Exactly. But there's always something to learn from everything, and I think it's important. For us, uh, you know, we've been through school and we can identify that. One thing with my students, they might come in and say, hey, Kyle, look at this video I found. And it might not always be the best best teaching tool, and but you can explain to them like, yeah, this is, you know, what do you like about it? Here's something that's you can check out that's like this, but I think will be a little bit more better for your development or, or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when it comes to what, when it came to having an idea for, concert etudes for a marimba um one thing that i i like about your book is that these are the perfect length right this reminds me of the mark ford book i think it's like 24 concert solos or whatever because the reason i say that is because it's texas pulled from that when i was in high school for all state auditions right but it wasn't always the to me it wasn't always a good length it all it you know sometimes it was a little too much but i really like this it's very you know it's very cleanly presented um i'm a big presentation guy um you have 18 etudes in here mm-hmm. uh are all of them four mallet Yep, they're all four mallet. Uh, 17 of the 18 are for four and a third marimba, and there's one in there for Perfect. five octave. Yeah. Perfect. So, what, you know, go ahead. Sorry. This has been a, a project of mine that I've been working on for about four years when I started teaching at the Eastman Community Music School. And uh, the idea about the book is it's not, I'm not marketing it for beginners, I'm not marketing it really for any particular level. However, I do use it in my curriculum here to teach four mallets. But I think there's something in it for everybody. Essentially, each solo, they range from a minute to three minutes, about that long. And I wanted to write music where it's a piece you don't have to work two months on to see some type of musical progress, to be actually playing something. The idea is to give a young student or someone just looking to work on reading or technique, the ability to play something and a week later, you're hey, you're playing some music. It's like, okay, this is great. Hey, you've probably noticed there's a new logo, a new Rudimental Podcast logo. 
Yes, there is. New aspects of the podcast and things getting better would not be possible without your support of listening and through a support link in the description below for just 99 cents a month. Yes, for just a dollar a month, you can support the podcast directly. It goes to things like a new logo, like video graphics, like audio equipment, video equipment. You get the gist of it. If you're interested, click that link in the description below. It's just a dollar a month, like I said before. Also, if you could subscribe, rate, and review on any platform you're listening on, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, it is greatly appreciated. Back to the episode. And I think it's, there's a, a great, uh, just for my curriculum, students are working on a four mallet piece or two mallet piece. That's going to take time. It's going to be a longer piece of music to work on. But I, I wanted to write something my students could play and, and two weeks later, they're they're reading through it. I I think there's a strange, a strange uh, process of thought when it comes to marimba development, when it becomes a thing of like, I'm continuously trying to go up and like once I get to a level, I'm only going to play pieces that are at that level sometimes there. I think sometimes people have that mm-hmm. process of thought. And for me, like it, when I was getting ready for my master's recital, I was playing Chameleon by Samu. Great piece, a little tough, you know, you're, you're just ripping, you know, right. like for like eight minutes or whatever it is. And sometimes I found myself in practice taking a break for a second and just playing like rain dance or something like, like you, yeah. know, you, you find yourself going back. Uh, yeah. And that's the same thing with drum set development too. Like I find myself a lot of time playing, you know, uh, simple ostinato in the feet and playing Benny, Benny Grebs, like, uh, the movement the displacement of the beat right you know like simple stuff simple exercises right. to to because without a solid fundamental and simple foundation like you're not going to be able to do anything right and so right. these pieces for me i i would play these pieces even at my level because i would first of all they're enjoyable and second of all uh there's something great and that feels great about going back and and just playing simple fun pieces of music that focus on right. a certain technique they are etudes so it's like right. they are focusing on something um there's something great about that like i i'm very thankful you sent this to me because i was looking at it and i was like this looks like fun dude it just looks like <laughs> it just looks like fun to play you know yeah. i'm looking at breeze right now um and my teacher dean gronemeyer would love this too um because he his pieces um he wrote like I think it was five five short works for six mounts mm-hmm. and stuff like that it, it's obviously focusing on on techniques for six mouths but they were simple fun etudes that uh that were enjoyable to play right. i mean there is some tricky stuff in here um yeah there so essentially every etude in the book um it was a four-year project and i wrote these etudes with along with my students i would write something and and I learned over about three years uh, what is good for students learning four mallets and what, where they might hit a wall. So every, every now and then you, 
I won't name any piece, but they're working on this piece, great piece of music that they should play as a young percussionist. And then they hit a wall about halfway through, they lose their motivation or, or something's not clicking. And my first year, I, I collected a lot of books, let's say targeted for an intermediate audience or, or a book where you're just supposed to play, develop your technique. And I would test them out with my students. And I, I, I eventually said, let me write my own and see what's gonna work best for a particular age group. Um, and I teach high school. A lot of students are beginning four mallets. So I crafted these etudes with my students over three years. And by the fourth year, I, I finally thought I had a, a, well, I had a finished product. And in each etude, it's focused on one or two techniques for students to hopefully not take a month to learn all the notes, but focus on just getting a, their best possible sound, their, a, a beautiful sound from the instrument. But each piece has one or two spots that's a little challenging, that's a good teachable moment for them. So it's not all just reading through, but oh, here's a 5-8 a measure. This is how we might phrase right. it. So there's like little teachable moments I like to insert in each A2 that's gonna challenge a student a little bit, but the whole piece is not a challenge where they can, I think, ultimately focus on just getting a beautiful, confident sound from the instrument. I see you, the Seer, which has some dead strokes in it, you know, yeah. the Cello Rondo, uh retardando into some a 160 section was a little 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 brisk right yeah yeah so yeah um oh yeah good news is sweet that was that looks like fun oh yeah, yeah. my buddy brent playing that online and you know one thing I'll, I'll share when i was when i finished the book i wanted to have videos of each etude so my students or anyone who's working on it can go on and say let me hear this and i uh I was like, all right, it's going to take me a while to record, record all these. I'm like, I don't have to do that. I have some amazing friends in the percussion world, people I went to school with. I reached out to them, and they were all very helpful and, and recorded two etudes. And yeah, it's just a great reference and, and a good way for my students not to just see me play all day. They know how I play it. I want to show them some other percussionists I respect and have awesome technique. And Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to go about it, bringing other people into the project that you respect and everything. Not everybody does that. You know, everybody's like, you know, takes on the whole, the whole thing. I actually uh, texted Gene Kuczynski uh, two days ago. I was like, Hey, you know, I really want to, I want to buy your two mount book. You know, I'm looking, looking at his, all his videos are him playing it. I'm like, dude, took it all on. That dude works harder, harder than a lot of people I know. Jeez. Yeah. Um, That's a great book too. Uh, great book yeah. yeah it's a awesome concept like i think we need more two mallet rep but yeah. uh yeah yeah man this is this is great like i'm gonna dive into this myself i'm i i would love to use it for my kids because we're uh trying to get a five octave next year great. and not that we need a five octave for for it but you know it, it's getting them to the four mallet stuff you know so right. this is going to be really good uh to use and, that for them and then some of those by the end of the book it's it's not really a progressive book i didn't write it to be completed in any specific order but they do get a little bit harder and by the end uh, maybe the the last one or the cape get probably stretches stretches technique a little bit and longer music but they're essentially just to to enjoy and, and play and uh yeah, just man. make music yeah Ooh, alarm and something clock. uh yeah nice. something that was neat just for me in the learning experience writing it is I would give it to a student and the next week they'd come in and, and have a, a big chunk learn and I'd say hey, that's great you know tell me what what do you think about this and I 
And they're like, well, this was a lot of fun. And, and uh, one of my students said, you know, my mom actually came in and said, hey, you don't have to stop practicing that right now. That actually sounds, I actually don't there want to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. I always think back, I, when I was in school, I, I'd come home for winter break, like, like in my undergrad and my freshman year, I, I had a marimba at home and I was practicing my lateral strokes for like an hour. And my, my mother finally came up. She's like, Kyle, you need to move on to something else. Move on <laughs> to something else. Yeah. And, th- and then you have like, like for me, I would come home. I didn't have a marimba, but I would come home and do uh, like if I was playing like a multi-piece, I would set up like whatever I could find. Right. Right. And they're like, is this really what you're studying? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's sorry, but yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. You had a marimba at home. That's interesting. Yeah, I had a, it It was, the, the story goes like this. I, I told my my parents, usually during the summers when I'd come home from school, I would work. I worked at a grocery store and stock shelves and nice. tried to save up for an instrument. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get a five octave marimba right now. And this was, I think, back in 2011. And I, I went to my dad. I'm like, dad, I need to get a marimba. He's like, can you help me out? And he's like, all right, how much is – and I said five octave marimba. I was like, how much is a five octave marimba? I, I dropped some numbers. He's like, no, not, not going to happen. So I was searching the web and found a practice five octave uh, that I got for a very affordable price. And it doesn't have resonators, but it was something for me to play on and, yeah, and yeah. just work on technique. I, uh, I could be wrong, but it seems like prices have dropped for them. The practice. There are a lot of practice. I think when I back in 2011, there was only one or two companies making practice marimbas. Maybe I think Tomorrow and, and Co. at the time. But now a lot of people, a lot of companies are making the practice marimbas. So well, perhaps I'm, just to be competitive. I'm saying like in general. Oh, just in general marimbas. Yeah. Let's see. Because so Majestic just came out with a a series called Concert Black. And you can get a Paduke marimba for a four and a third for twenty six hundred, and a five octave for. Let's see. I just saw it. You can get a five octave Paduke concert black for sixty six hundred. Well, it's not bad. Yeah, one thing um, to check out that I was super impressed with were the um, the Malatech, their new M-Tech marimbas, which is Paduke, but they sound fantastic. I've never played a Malatech board. I mean, I, you, guys, you guys are all Malatech up there, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's what I, I, I've i been playing on for, for a long time now, but the, anyone interested should check out the M-Tech. It's Paduke. And they're affordable as well. I think the yeah sixty five hundred yeah or for the th- five, four and right? a third is three three grand and MTech is sixty five. That's Steve Weiss price, right? Yeah, they've done a really great job getting a a nice sounding instrument. They sound from, good. Yeah, dude, uh, Burris is crazy looking. Yeah, it's it's a cool one. <laughs> that those resonators are insane. Yeah. It's always it's a it's a great way. One thing I like about that marimba is after a concert, people who don't know marimba they're always intrigued by it, and it just gives them reason to come up and say, "Wow, this is really an amazing instrument." Expl- please explain this to me. It's a good Bro. conversation starter. Why? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's a. We always had we just had um, the Yamaha 
So in McNeese, we had all pearl atoms. So we had a pearl, we had an atoms alpha at McNeese, relatively new. Uh, I think it just got destroyed in a hurricane, though. Oh, no. Um, and then we always had the art, we, not the artist models, but the one below that for Yamaha at UNLV. I forget what that one is called. It was really, it was older. It was like 15 years old. Oh, professional. That's right. what it was called. They're super easy to break down too, because we did a lot of marimba band stuff. Right. Um, super easy to break down and pack up in bags, and like you could literally set that thing up in not even five minutes. Oh, that's great. Um, those are like thirteen, yeah, thirteen racks. But I feel like I feel like when I was looking at marimbas, like even five years ago, I feel like they were more expensive than that. I could be wrong. Maybe I was just freaked out by the price but <laughs> yeah 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 i i have i i'd have to look into that maybe Could what be. do you have um right now at uh, at the school we we used a lot of the malatech there's a, a kind of rotating around um in the studio right now i don't have my actually there's no there's usually a marimba behind me but i am working on getting a mjb marimba in here for the students to play on what kind of uh what kind of drums did y'all use at Eastman? Yeah. Um. I, I there uh, you know I think snare yeah. drum wise everyone in school has those the Pearl Philharmonic Pearl snare Harmonics, drums. Yeah, you know, that's a popular one. Um, Yamaha drums are here as well. Um, I have a they don't make them anymore. I don't know if I have it here. Uh, a Yamaha Grand Symphonic Maple concert snare drum. They made them back in. I think the last year they made them was maybe 2012, but it's a beautiful drum. Sounds uh, good. Yeah. It's always the best sounding drums they don't make anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. I'm a little bit of a gearhead, so it's. Oh, know, yeah. Yeah. I, and now, like, when I play in the fill, sometimes we use the pearl fill. Sometimes I'll, I'll use the. I don't play a lot of snare drum with them, but uh, I know when we do, like, the soundtrack, we when we used to do the Star Wars or Harry Potter, everyone played a little snare drum, and I'd like to play my grand symphonic maple six and a half inch drum. yeah dude just big you know deeper a little bit deeper and get that big sound out of it yeah man yeah i um yeah i've never played a malatech instrument um i've seen them at pasic and nam or whatever but um they just are not around here i Hmm. think they i mean obviously they got the northeast locked down but i've 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 never seen one down here. It's all Adams, Yamaha. Um, not even really Majestic down here. There's more Majestic out west. Right. Because um, we had Majestic and Yamaha at UNLV. And that was the first time playing Majestic, Majestic stuff. And it was it was great. And I feel like... I feel like, though, is... Um, also, somebody, uh, somebody came in and did a clinic... And who was a Malatech artist at the time? He's not anymore. Um, but I had no idea Malatech made marching sticks. And I have no the marching gear. I am totally out of touch with. But it was so bizarre. Like we all we all thought, you know, they you know they got mallets, they got xylo mallets, they got bell mallets, they got marimba. And he, and he was like, no, we we have a marching line. And I was like, well, no way. And like it was, it blew my mind. But um, uh. Yeah, that was that was so strange. But um, 
but Cam, uh, you know, both Cam and you have told me about this Maltech stuff, so I'm intrigued. I would love to try one one day. Yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful instruments. Sick, dude. So what's what's next? What's so you got? The, how long has this book been out? For one thing, uh, it came out uh, November, November first. Okay. So, are you working on something else along the lines of this? Or are you just teaching right now? Like, what what's next for Kyle Peters? Yeah. So right now, uh, I'm do I write music every day uh, in the morning. So I I've been releasing some some solo pieces, some percussion ensemble pieces. I have a lot that I finish and just need to find time to edit. A lot of chamber music that I finish, but I, I th- I'm going to hold off on releasing that until f- people are interested in purchasing chamber music again. Uh, I've released a couple duets recently, and you know I reach out. People are just like, can't play a duet right now, not allowed to, or, or something like that. So I'm going to hold off on some of that. But uh, ultimately, right now, my I'm I'm just focused on on teaching. I I see 30 students every week. Private. It, it's essentially like a a college studio but with with high school students so i see 30 percussionists every week ranging from 30 minutes to 60 minutes and working on continuing to grow this program and uh, right now nothing is nothing is going on with the philharmonic i think we're, they're just doing strings uh until next season so i have more time to create some videos and continue putting out some little technique videos online uh Really, kind of like you said earlier, just f- now I have a little bit more time to do things I didn't think I'd, I'd had time to do. So just learning and continuing to learn how to just send out little short videos that people might enjoy and find helpful. Yeah, the I love I love the Instagram. Um, the it's making me want to change some ideas that I have about my my ideas for um, content and the. You can follow, by the way, you can follow Kyle at K Peters Perk. So um, the one thing about your stuff, too, is that they it has the notation with it, which is nice. I still haven't figured out how to do that. I'm sure it's not that difficult. Um, but the, um, yeah, everything just like, it, there's something about content creation. Like when you look at somebody's profile and like everything looks professionally done, clean, you know, uh, that makes you want to follow the person as well, you know, so that I can, I'm, I've told a couple people about your page too. So like, it's, it's one of those visual things that I kind of obsess over. I'm like, okay, this, this guy makes it look good. He cares about what it, what it looks good. It appears like the quality of the video and everything like that. I appreciate that, Josh. Yeah, it all, yeah, I never had intended on putting things out on social media and, and Facebook, but like the pandemic happened and I had some time to to do it and these are just things that I would I do with my students and lessons and kind of coming off the book when we do an etude in the book I like hey go watch that video online and then I do a we do a lateral exercise or a one-handed roll exercise and and I can't say hey go watch that video online but maybe I, I can now I'll say here's this exercise here's the music and if you ever forget how it goes or need some reference just to check it out on on YouTube or Instagram. But then I I said, well, all right, let me make this stuff public and and share it with whoever might find it helpful. And I've gotten a lot of great feedback. And it's it's neat to see people reaching out saying this was great. Yeah, man, absolutely. I keep it up, dude. It's uh, it's nice. As far as the as far as the writing, you know, duets and stuff and solos, uh, what kind of 
instrumentation are you looking at for the for the duets? Are you looking? Are you writing for two marimbas? Are you writing multi perk? Like what? What's the what kind of stuff are you writing for that? Uh, generally, right now, I have uh, I've written a marimba duet and a snare drum duet that I've released. I have a drum set duet that I'm going to hold off on releasing for a while, but I've started branching out and uh, I just finished a vibraphone saxophone duet and mainly for myself learning how to write for something that's not percussion. Uh, oh yeah. I write mainly just for percussion, not because I don't want to write for other instruments. It's just, I still need to educate myself on how to, how to write from the effectively. So I tackled the saxophone first. My, my girlfriend's a saxophone player, learned all about what notes sound great on the saxophone, which notes probably I shouldn't write a whole note for to, for a saxophone player to play for four beats. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just, I have a couple books I'm reading about. Um, I don't think I'm going to write a whole lot for outside of percussion, but it's it's good to have that in the back of my head. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, if you ever need a guinea pig for for anything, I'm here. I'm hey, man, I'll, I'll, I'll send you some stuff. Dude, I'm always down to play, always. The uh, I'm Trying to start up a little thing down here with some, some McNeese buddies that, uh, you know, try to do some more playing. I mean, we didn't do all this percussion ensemble playing to just not do it anymore right so right. We're, we're trying to get something going but um i'm always looking to play solo stuff duets duets are some of my favorite thing in the favorite things in the world to play so yeah um played a lot you know, of great music that way i have a couple things on the back burner that i don't think i'll finish soon but i uh for soundscapes when i finished that i had 26 etudes so i i have eight etudes that I didn't put out. They were oh. just maybe a little too similar. So that eventually will be out, but right now I'm working slowly on a similar to Soundscapes, just something about multi-percussion where little setups, essentially the ones I've written right now are just using things from a, a drum set that I know most students will have at home and then adding like a wood block in or a tambourine so they can get an introductory uh, something for, for root, uh, multi-percussion, you know, the short one, two minute little ideas um and then uh, some based on duos i have a I'll, I'll send you some after this uh a little collection of short snare drum duets that i play with my students cool and they're i love those just as not only just to play but duets are great as a educational tool just to even listen to other players so many times solo stuff we we don't obviously can't listen to other people so right. i use it as a as just a way for students to listen and hey get your ears open and here's a hopefully a piece of music you'll enjoy while doing it in my early days of my undergrad uh my professor would hop on the drum set while i'm playing like a marimba solo he's like he's like before you can add all that expression you learn how to play it in time first and i was like all right man (laughs) so i'm playing like i think i was playing like trevino's strive to be happy or something like that and like that really helps like kind of you know, set the groove or whatever, then you can kind of add what you want. But the duets thing is is really nice because um, it also gives the student an opportunity to look at a model of hands, you know, that you want them to look right. like. And so that would be awesome uh, to check that out because uh, I got a couple of students right now that could really, really benefit from that, I think. But it's funny, yeah. you know, the drum set, I, uh, this is my fourth year at Eastman, so I've had some students graduate, and a, a lot of them do go off to major in music. Mm. And uh, I found out there's a joke now. <laughs> Whenever we we usually start 
mallets with just technique, but whenever whatever technique exercise they're doing, I have a cajon right next to the marimba, and I'll always just lay down a groove, and uh, they joke about it now. Like, hey, does Kyle still play those cheesy cajon grooves? Oh, man. Like, cheesy. Yes, I'm all Dude. about the cheese. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Why would you not be? And then you can, yeah. then you can throw some shaker in. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Josh, you'll laugh. I have uh, a cajon, a little shaker next to it, and a foot cowbell. That's exactly – it's almost – verbatim what i use for my singer songwriter gigs here yeah like i got a i got a few more shakers just for options but most of the time it's left hand playing the playing the groove and right hand just playing shaker baby yeah like yeah. that's it and the, you know it's great too as a as a tool because i'll start playing a groove and it'll just bring a smile to a student's face like hey all right that's that's kind of cool and then they're just playing a technique and it kind of just brings that technique a little bit makes it a little bit more interesting because there's some type of music to play it with now and right uh just to anything you can do especially for a young student to make a technique exercise a little bit more exciting which is why etudes are helpful because I, even myself as a kid i didn't want to uh practice laterals for 30 minutes in high school never did it in college that's different but right well do you do you feel like it's do you feel like the marimba is being now this may be a little, little bit of a debate as well, and it just came across. Uh, I've talked about it with a couple of people, but do you feel like the marimba is being pushed too far to be a solo instrument? Do you feel like there should be some modernization, some more realistic musical application for it? This is educator to educator, obviously. So I'm just asking. Yeah, I think. Hmm. That's a that's a that's a tough one, Josh. I I think the and I I've heard this before being discussed. I think as a per, as percussionist, marimba is a great tool to teach musicality and just you know fundamental musicianship. For my level of teaching, it's sometimes a little bit difficult because most students don't own a marimba at home, so they get that practice in school. I've seen students grow a lot musically from it. Snare drum can be can be difficult because we're we're working with one pitch and it's a great way I like to to teach just training our ears. There's not what else can we do as percussion right now, you know? You could say, well, vibraphone, xylophone, but also most kids don't have vibraphone or xylophone either. Right. And I see it when a student walks in for the first time, especially a younger student, and they walk into the percussion studio and see a marimba. I remember the first time I saw one, their eyes, yeah, oh they're gosh, like, what the heck I get is to that? play that? Yeah. yeah. And the sound, I haven't encountered a student yet that hears a marimba the first time and says, eh, I don't like that. It's, exactly. a, it's an easy, it's a pleasant sound. And to me, there's, you know, if you think about exciting a student for the first time, getting them hooked on percussion, when someone comes in for a first lesson and you even just show them a video with four mallets, you say, well, this is going to take some time. We're going to have to develop this, this, and this. But you're going to be able to do that soon enough, I promise. And they just get so excited because what's more exciting than seeing someone play marimba with four mallets, you know? I mean, yeah. It's a great way to just, like, motivate a student or showing them a really neat drum set fill and, like, oh, my gosh, I yeah. want to do that too. So it's a, it's a great way to just excite students. And it's I think it's okay to explain, like, you know, there's not a, necessarily a, a, a career for you with this instrument. But it is something 
you can use to appreciate music to play the solo marimba music it's just i think it's what we have as percussion and i myself play marimba more now than anything and it could be maybe more accessible in the future with with instruments being maybe more affordable like we were Mm -hmm. talking about easier to to bring bring places but for me right now high seed it's a great way to to get people excited about music yeah and marimba what i like about it too now this is this is obviously not set this is not the my philosophy behind it but it's part of it anyone can come in i always say my mother doesn't have a musical bone in her body sorry mom if you're listening (laughs) but she doesn't you know but she could walk up to a marimba and within five minutes she can play with a pretty good sound Mm-hmm. And say like, okay, I'm 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 playing an instrument. This is great, and it's just again a, a great way to motivate someone. Say, okay, here's the sound. Let me show you. This is the sound we want to go for, and teach them how to get a great sound. But they don't have to. They can leave a first lesson, a 30 minute lesson, and it can leave and know how to play a short little tune, and that's mm-hmm. great. When someone can go home and say, I, I I made some music today. It was my first lesson. I'm playing marimba. So it's a great educational tool. Professionally, I pl- I'm playing it a lot. I appreciate the instrument. As percussionists, it's an exciting time, and this is something uh, Peter Zak would always say. It's an exciting time to be a percussionist because marimba, it's it's relatively young compared to other instruments, right? So who right. knows? What the it's rep is be still being there. built. You know, like your your contribution right here. You know, and, and it's still being. I mean, the five octave has only been around since eight, the early '80s, so it's like. It is really an exciting time. I 100% agree with that. And I think we're still figuring some stuff out. Yeah. You know, I think people often forget about that. That I mentioned this before. It's the same with drum set, right? The legends that we have now and, and the ones that we just recently lost, like, those are those are the, the monumental figures that will be written down in history. Like, the fact that we still have Gad, Calyuta, Weckl, you know, the fact that we still have these monumental figures means that we're living in the time that people are going to talk about. And so I think the same could be said said for Marimba. I mean, we still have Abe, you know, we still have Lee Howard Stevens, we still have Burt, we still have Dean, we still have all these people that have kind of shifted the landscape of it and uh, really made their mark. It's something something to keep in mind, I think, some perspective, you know. Yeah, and... I always like to to stay optimistic and it's it's a it's marimba's still very young and I don't I don't think I I would ever say let's not let's stop making it a solo instrument let's stop putting as much as we can cuz there's still a lot we can learn and there's still a lot th- th- who knows where it's going to be in 20 years right so mm-hmm. I'd never like to shy away from it right now and if if someone doesn't enjoy solo marimba and someone doesn't believe in solo marimba that's fine I, they can they if that's their their opinion on it that's 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 totally fine i respect that i'm not gonna try to change their mind but for me it's an exciting time let's let's continue doing as much as we can and if it doesn't work we'll learn from it and say okay that didn't work but yeah. let's try this instead you know you seem like a glass half full guy kyle yeah <laughs> you are huh? yeah that's awesome that's uh especially in a time of like maybe there's a little bit more competition on the on the content side of things or like even like composition or whatever, it's important to kind of realize that we're, we all at the bottom line, just love playing drums and perk in general. So it's like, uh, 
sometimes I feel like that's a little lost, but not all the time. I mean, at the end of the day, like we're kind of psychopaths for going through all these hours of practice and repetition and um, going through school and different places. Like it's something to think about, you know, in a little bit. Uh, it's important, I think, kind of keep everything in mind. Uh, and another thing too is that when you have a community of people that is contributing and grow and trying to grow the craft, whether it be through mistake or through you know intention or whatever, it's still growing, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not as big as the drum set community as far as like reach, but we can get there, I think. Um, you know, if people just keep trying, you know, it's right. not like, right? It's not like everybody goes to school and is like all right, well, my end goal is to be a band director. I, I know a few people like that in our in our field, but not everybody's like that. And I feel like there's still a still a strong push to, to grow everything, to contribute to the historical um, depth, to, to, to keep building on the foundation that we have, which I think is exciting in itself. You know, there's still a lot that we can do. Um, and yeah, a lot we a, can learn from, you know. Yeah. A very small community, and as as much as I, I try to say it and I tell my students, just to always try to look from a, a, a positive standpoint. And I, I f just from listening and, and seeing what else is going on, sometimes we might not be happy with the way something's going, if, let's say for marimba. Not, not talking any specifics, and, and yes, it's important that things need to develop, but let's see, I'm trying to see how I can formulate it. Not, you know, change is always a change always is happening in in music in any field, right? Right, right. Um, and sometimes I think we forget how how many great things there are already with percussion. Okay. And it's not just yeah. about saying this isn't working. We have to change it maybe we i like to just approach it this is working great what can we do to make that even better and what can we do to develop from there so i i try not to look at things from a negative perspective although it is important to to say okay this isn't working let's fix it but i always like to look at why is this working so great what can we do to make that even better or what can we do to use that to to continue to grow what we're doing mm -hmm. as yeah. percussionists already yeah i like that that's uh it's I think there's so many different schools of thought behind everything, right? Different techniques. You know, you're supposed to use this in this setting, whatever. At the end of the day, to quote the great Dean Gronemeyer, we're just controlling noise. At the end of the day, that's what we're doing. It doesn't really matter how we do it, you know. And if we can find more efficient ways to do it, or we can find ways to make it sound uh, great or keep great sounds continuing to be great, like, I think we've done our job. You know, yeah. I always love that. And that we're just controlling noise. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so you know, interesting. One thing I loved about percussion so much as well is there's, you can go to, let's say, crash cymbals, right? You can go to five different crash cymbal master classes and each, one, every single one of them will be different. Yeah. Like a different approach on this is how you, how you crash a cymbal. And I think that's great. And as, as young percussionists, if you're listening and you're in school, I used to be in a, in a spot where when I was, this is maybe freshman, sophomore year, six, seven years ago. No, actually more than that now. But 
I would go to a master class and say, that's not how I learned it. I'm not going to do it like that. But mm. that's not the way to think about it. Just say, that's different. I'm going to remember that. I might not use it right now, but two years later, it's like, oh, I remember that. I wrote that down. And then it's, you take all these ideas. This could be a whole, this could be a topic for another day, but you take all these ideas you learn as a student from hearing, this is how you crash symbol, this is how you crash symbol, this is how you crash symbol. Okay, you've got eight different ideas, but then use all those to develop your own sound, your own technique, your, and say, hey, this is what I learned from New York, this is what I learned from Philadelphia. Look at, I combine the two. Oh, that sounds good too. That works for me. Or that doesn't work for me. I won't use that, mm -hmm. but it might work for somebody else. All, all for your toolbox, which is yeah. another thing Dean used to say. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I love talking to people that are, from different areas, you know, different backgrounds to kind of formulate my own opinions, which I think could be useful advice for people in other aspects of life. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, I mean, we're all just kind of psychopaths for this stuff, especially if we get this far. And I, uh, I don't know. You, it's never, it hasn't died out for me yet. I did go through a little rut, you know, when the pandemic hit because it was kind of a damper on the end of my master's experience, but sure, it still hasn't gone away. And I don't think it will, thankfully, knock on wood, but um, I'm sure you can say the same. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm always thinking, you know, we're always thinking about new ways to do this, always thinking about ways to get better at this, 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 or whatever. And we have so many different things we can work on. I don't think we'll ever be bored. I mean, to be yeah. honest with you. Like you could go from a pipe band, pipe snare drum uh, clinic one day, and the next day you're learning Afro-Cuban stuff. It's, it's, uh, yeah. That's what's so great. I love that about percussion. You know, I, I, there's, you can practice three hours on snare drum, and it, you know, it's something I would talk with my brother, clarinetist. He'd practice three hours on clarinet and be like, "Yeah, I got to give." I think that's it for now. I was like, oh, yeah. I just practiced three hours on snare drum. I got to go do some marimba. Then I got to do timpani. Then I got to work on this. Then I got to yep. play, you know. It's, it's, but I, I, that's what I love about percussion. There's, there's so much, and it's, and, you know, there's so many, so many instruments out there. It's a small community, but when you, you find a percussionist, even they, they might not play, I don't play a lot of hand drums, but I can have a, a discussion with a, and appreciate the hand drum side of things. And just, I'm so fascinated about it and say, I wish I had the time to, I gotta make some time to learn to to do that. You know, it's yeah, man. Whether or not I'll find it doesn't matter. But it gets me. It still gets me excited to this day. It's like, oh, look at all. There's still so much to explore. Yeah, dude. Know? I'm gonna be like 70 years old, hopefully, <laughs> and be like, dude, I can look them. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, you're doing great work. I uh, I sincerely appreciate your time. Dude, the elements and the world in general did not want this podcast to happen, but we made it happen. I had to reschedule like me, three times. Yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I was and thanks frozen. for this. Thanks for the podcast. I Cameron introduced me to it. It's it's great to to hear these discussions online and and get to know what what's going on in the percussion world. So I appreciate your contribution and, and I look forward to the other ones to come. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. The uh, it's a lot of fun to do meet people like yourself and um yeah, you know it. Once it stops being fun, I'll stop doing it. But I'm still having fun. So the uh, you can where can they get soundscapes at? Uh, it's it's now available on Steve Weiss Music nice. and uh, my website, which is just kppercussion.com, as well as th there you'll get some links to other retailers that, that sell it as well. Great. So this is Soundscapes, 
Concert Etudes for Marimba by Kyle H. Peters. You can get it on his website, Steve Weiss, or other distributors. Um, you can follow him at K. Peters Perk. You can follow me at Hartwell Drums. We have a new Instagram for the Rudimental Podcast. Call it's at the Rudimental Pod, and you can go to my website www.hartwelldrums for some updates and all that good stuff for the podcast and myself. Um, be on the lookout for a bunch of new content coming out on both the Instagram and other platforms. Um, want to thank Kyle again for coming on episode number 45 of the Runal podcast. Can't believe we're at 45. That's crazy. Wow. Nice. Um, thanks man. The, uh, yeah, man, this is a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for your time. And thanks, Josh. thanks for having me, man. Yeah. I'm going to, going to direct a lot of people towards your stuff and he has great content on Instagram and everything. So get soundscapes for you or for your students and, or for both. Um, follow me and follow the new, follow the new Instagram at the Runal pod. All right, that's it for this one. I'll see you next time.